listener exclusive. To say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Monday. April 18th, welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And in unrelated football news, adjacent football news, you might say, Will, uh, I am so sore. I went to uh, a day three of Blues Fest in Byron Bay last night. uh, And let's just say that I am no spring chicken. Let's just say that I should be put on the veterans list because... I woke up this, all I did was walk, walk from one stage and see two minutes of a band and then have to walk to the other stage to meet friends to see two minutes of another band. And I didn't get home till like one. And I woke up this morning needing to fly fly me to Germany and give me some experimental treatment because I am in agony. I cannot walk. I mean, you're basically the same age as David Mundy. And he's still absolutely flying. I know. And you can't walk around a music festival. That's great. And I don't even go in for the like the contested ball. I'm not even inside. I'm midfield beast, Will. I'm just a dude who just skirts the outside of the packs. Oh, at a festival, you are a real outside player. You're not getting in there yeah. at all. You're not diving for the mosh pit. You are really very much like just running on the outside, getting easy possessions, picking up a beer here or there. Yeah, I hope uh, I don't want to. I don't want to um, get Caro's arrow this week when she sees my performance at Blues Fest. <laughs> <laughs> Is Caro's arrow culturally inappropriate these days? Like, should we really be having like a white person firing an arrow, which is a traditional Native American hunting implement? Well, but it's- yeah, but it's also traditionally Anglo-Saxon, mate. Like, don't take everything from the white man. We did, we did come up with some things ourselves as well. Like, you know, Anglo-Saxons used bows and arrows. Who, inve- who, invented, who invented the arrow? Who, what was the first civilization that used an arrow? I mean, I assume it's one of the earliest well, okay. hunting weapons, which would suggest to me that it started in Africa yeah, or but somewhere, if, right? In, in that case, we're all appropriating <laughs> African culture. If that's the cradle of civilization... Well, how did we get onto this? <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? I was going to cancel Caro. I was going to cancel Caro's arrow. I was. <laughs> well, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But well, don't drag the rest of us into it. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about football. Let's go all the way back to Thursday night. Uh, it started off, Will, with the uh, the Lions uh, hosting the Pies up at the Gabatoir. Um, I predicted a slaughter for this, but the Pies were surprisingly good. I am not a fan of this honourable lost pies. I wasn't a fan of the winning pies and I'm even less of a fan of the honourable lost pies because the honourable lost pies, the, the, the commentators talk them up too much. It's like, oh, look, yeah, they, they went down, but they've got such great young players and stuff. And it's all this kind of talk of hope and, and rejuvenation and resurrection around Collingwood. Doesn't sit, especially around Easter, does not sit well with me. Oh, here's what I would say about, you know, honourable lost Collingwood. It's still them losing. Yeah, I guess. And if they can have some honourable losses, <laughs> they actually played very well. I mean, obviously, one of our favourite players did not have his best game, Mason Cox, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of commentary around like whether he still has a role in that team. And I know that's been kind of commentary for the last couple of t- years anyway, but 
like it seems to now be infused with the fact that he's wearing his glasses. Yeah. And I did not like this current trend in the AFL because we have been early adopters of how much we love the glasses. Like I think the goggles are an incredible addition to the game. And I think if we run Mason Cox out of the game, we're also running the goggles out of the game. It's not like yeah. another player is going to pick up the goggles, particularly if the goggles are being blamed for Mason's bad form. So I, I, I personally just want to throw my support uh, yeah, behind Mason Cox, who I think has been an incredible story in the AFL. But also, it's just too soon. It's yeah. too soon to lose those goggles. Yeah, I guess you're right. Because like, apart from, say, Cloak and Quentin Lynch with the gloves... Like, it's not like that caught fire. It's still fairly, like, that's a uh, that's an affectation you associate with those two players. More Lynch, I guess, because he had the more dramatic, you know, he'd take the glove off before he was going to line up for goal and stuff. It was a real kind of, like, bit of flair. If we lose Mason Cox to the game, and they were incredibly harsh on him. Like, I heard one of the commentators at one point say something along the lines of, he's so out of form. You can't tell me that they didn't watch him at training and go, we can't pick this guy. He's so out of form. <laughs> it's like... Oh, man, you're really, really up against it when the commentators are saying, watching you play now, I even predict you can't even train properly. Right, yeah. I can't believe you got picked for this too. Yeah. I think this is an administrative mistake. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard uh, people were so over the top, though. Like, he is one of those players that attracts... Because his best was so good that I think that it's frustrating that he hasn't been able to work out a way to replicate, you know, what his game is at the peak of his game. And when he looks bad, he looks like he grew up in another country not playing mm -hmm. the game. And so I understand that he's an easy target, but the way people were going over the top the other night was like there were people calling for us to end our alliance with America <laughs> based on his form for Collingwood and the AFL. Yeah. Like, Mate, I saw Midnight Oil on Friday night. They were calling for an immediate withdrawal of Mason Cox from the AFL. <laughs> I I love that there are some elements of protection that are available to AFL players because the thing that you always hear in America is it's an amazing game. They don't wear protection, right? Yeah. Your most standard bit of protection would be your mouth guard. Mm -hmm. But as we've learned on this show previously, not every player wears a mouth guard. Um, so what would be the second most common bit of protective wear that AFL players would commonly wear? Would it be some sort of strapping like... Like, shoulder you know, I guess shoulder or, strapping or something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, Ruckman aside, because obviously they wear shin guards, but I'd say finger Oh, shin guards? Okay, no. Just yep. for the Rucks, though. I don't know any other players who wear shin guards. Right, but you're, you're allowed to wear a helmet. Like, you know, if yep. you've had, like, you know, you can wear a helmet out on the Caleb field. Daniel. Um, you're allowed to wear goggles. Mm. You're allowed to wear an arm guard if you've got, like, a broken arm. <laughs> the way you describe What I'm saying it, it is, like, all. <laughs> Someone's going to a fancy dress party in steampunk, like, cosplay. <laughs> well, but this is what I'm about to suggest is, if they're all legal protections you can wear, is there any rule against you wearing all of them at once? Uh, no like, way. if I went out on the field and I had every bit of protective clothing that is legal in the game, is that against the rules or not? I've got, like, a helmet and a mouth guard and goggles and an arm guard and shin guards. I guess, well, I mean, well, Mason Cox is the perfect player to test it out on because he's a ruckman so he automatically gets to wear and he's already wearing three right. of those things he's wearing shin guards mouth guard i assume and the goggles mm. we just need to get him a helmet and so i mean i'm sure he's had shoulder strapping and knee strapping at some point so i'd say he's only a helmet yeah. away from being fully decked out <laughs> maybe that's what we push for this year hashtag armor cox <laughs> oh, that, oh, that, that could come back to bite us but what? No, it's it's right it's right there, Charlie. It's Robocox. Oh, Robo 
<laughs> Robocox. Because Hashtag like, Robocox. We, and then we get to see Robocox up against Robo... Robocop. Cox. Rob, no, Robocop. From the Foxtel promotions. <laughs> I love Robocox. That's something we have to get training. So I guess the way we have to... We need to get. We need an in at the Collingwood Football Club to the doctors to say, "Oh, look, we're worried about Mason's head clashes. Like, uh, you know, um, uh, we're just concerned his height and, you know, when he lands, the body the, the body weight ratio could be dangerous. So we're going to insist that he wears a helmet and not just like a padded normal Caleb Daniel helmet, like an old fashioned eighty stack hat. <laughs> like he's got to wear one of those big, you know, bright orange stack hats with his goggles." <laughs> He's got, he's got to wear the one that Jason Dunstall wore. Like, yeah, he right. wants to get form as the full forward. Yeah, he's yeah. got to get, like, you know, Jason Dunstall goes down to the club. He hands over the helmet. He says, Mason, I wish you all the best of luck in this. Uh, you know who was in form on Friday was bloody Joe Danaher. Mm. Having a great year. Real good year. I mean, Joe, so I don't know if you watched this game, but he was unreal. Mm. Like, he was, you know, what Joe Danaher is, is at his best. And Brisbane looked really good, but... We've known for a while that they play songs after they kick goals, mm. right? Like we explored this last season that Charlie Cameron was playing um, Take Me Home Country Road. And uh, by the way, so this just reminded me that I should check on Charlie Cameron's Charles uh, Twitter Cameron. page. Yeah. Charles Cameron, of course, Charles Ranger 23 uh, for people who want to follow along. Um, normally I just go in, I give you the updates of what he's been tweeting. He's been pretty quiet on Twitter, but there was one... One tweet that caught my attention because uh, it is 100% uh, in the world of uh, okay. what we know about Charles Cameron and his Twitter feed. So okay. now, what? Just run me through. If I was going to say, what are the most obvious right. things? What are the most go-to cliches about Charlie Cameron's uh, Twitter feed? Sport in general, Melbourne Storm, celebrating yep. Indigenous players, yep. and the occasional movie review. Yep. <laughs> okay, and. Are they long tweets? No. How, ma how many words Succinct. are the tweets? Three. Three is an essay yeah. for Charles Cameron. Okay. So I think you'll enjoy this one from April the 3rd. Okay. This is the tweet. Two words, and that's not me saying it's two words. The first two words of his tweet are two words. Yeah. Melbourne Storm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. The anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> you get to the colon after two words, and then you're like, "What's he going to write?" What will these two words be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It's so great. Oh, man. Um, so, what do you reckon's going on though? Like, why couldn't Essendon get Joe Danaher right? How come he's thriving? Well, up in so Brisbane? I'm going to say Brisbane understand his sense of humour. So this brings me to the songs. Okay. So th this is what I'm loving about Brisbane. There's a sense of fun. Yep. about it and the fact is that you choose your own music for when you kick a goal and then they play that in the crowd right and clearly the players are having fun with it because what song does joe danaher choose to have played when he kicked like his four goals the other night at the gabba charlie now i will give you a clue that it's probably a song you'd be more familiar with, I imagine. I actually, you're probably your daughter is not quite old enough to okay. be necessarily familiar with this. I'm not 100 percent sure, but like it, you'd, you'd be familiar with this song. I'm going to say through the world of children's entertainment. Um, oh, is it the cover of Elephant by the Wiggles? Uh, it's not even as cool as that. Uh, like, I'm talking a global sensation song. Like, one of the most famous songs uh, on the planet, but definitely pitched at young girls. Oh, uh, 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 
Gangnam Style? <laughs> I mean, that would be amazing. And just started, Joe Dallaher just started doing the Cy Horsey dance when yeah. he kicked a goal. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. All right, put me out of my misery. Let's have a listen. Good joke. Very, very good. Let it go. It makes sense. Frozen. It does like, make sense. Like, that's how he has to play. You just have to let Joe be Joe. Uh, let it Joe is what yeah. they, what the song should be called. Let it Joe, let it Joe. I mean, now it sounds like let it snow. <laughs> let it Joe. Maybe that's what he needs. He needs a series of Joe pun songs that they yeah. can play after goals. But I do think it's, they appreciate the Joe Danaher that I think Joe Danaher is, which is, like he is enigmatic mm. he does have a personality he doesn't seem to take himself you know completely seriously like you can't imagine jason dunstall playing let it go from frozen after no. he kicked a goal you know like it is yeah. a very different attitude and i think brisbane have embraced that attitude do you think there is a better kick outside of 50 than joe like you are more likely you, you feel more comfortable with joe lining up for a shot from like 60 meters mm. out than you do when he's at the top of the goal square don't you yeah, they need to institute the reverse 50. Yeah, the reverse 50. <laughs> <laughs> if you could somehow retain possession but give away a 50, yeah. that would work in Brisbane's favour. I don't know how that rule, how you engineer that, unless it's like a quick series of infringements where you give away the 50 but then provoke your opponent into, uh, you know, reversing it. So you get that you have to move back 50, but then they lose possession. That would be amazing. I mean... Fags would be a genius if you could somehow coordinate that to work perfectly every time. I mean, is there any reason, and I know that no, you'd never do this, but if you are like Joe Danaher, a much more reliable kick from 55 metres than you are from 10. 30 yeah, or 10, yeah, yeah. Right, right. But like, say you take a mark at 25, which is your real danger zone, that real in-between zone, right? Yeah. Not close enough that it's easy, not far enough. Okay, so... There's no reason he can't go back behind the 50 metre line and kick from the 50 metre line, is there? Um, no, he can. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't think that as long as he doesn't deviate off the mark, as, he, as long as he stays in line with the mark, he can go. I mean, it's just like Ben yeah. Brown has that run up that's like a 50 mile right. long. So yeah, he could 100. percent So Joe could Joe could just basically sprint backwards for 30 <laughs> seconds, yeah, and then wheel around and dob it. Well, I guess yeah, that's the thing. He's got to do it within the 30 seconds. It's, it does he he doesn't want to get too fatigued by the time he gets across 50. Yeah, so he just yeah, as long as he's like 25, he can sprint 25 meters easily in his 30 seconds and dob it. Now, uh, Will the dogs finally got the easy kill they've been looking for all season. They had a tough start to the year. Uh, Good Friday. I cannot remember, since they've instituted the Good Friday match, one good game. Like, there is something about it where it's two blowouts. You had the Dogs and North, and then you had the Swans and the Eagles. And both games were just over by a quarter time, utterly shite. Does the fixture suck? Does does the fixture... Should we not bother? What do you mean? Well, you do, like, comedy festival shows. Like, Good Friday, traditionally, the comedy festival is where comedians are like, oh, fuck, like... I'll either not do a show or if I get hardly anyone in here, that's fine. It's Good Friday. Should the AFL take the same attitude? I mean, no. <laughs> uh, like, I, well, firstly, I think this is what I would say. Firstly, Good Friday was really quite good at the Comedy Festival this year. Okay. Right? So pe- people were looking for something to do. So that was fun. Um, I just think, like, North Melbourne aren't that good at the moment and they got the Bulldogs on a week where the Bulldogs needed to have an easy kill. 
Yeah. And look, you know, North didn't play that badly in the second quarter. They kicked five goals in a row. They looked like they were getting it back together. But, like, I think it's worth having something to do on Good Friday. Like, But, like, it, it was so... I. I only know this because St Kilda had the Good Friday fixture for a couple of years and we were terrible every yep. time. Like, and I just, I cannot, like you think about Queen's birthday or Anzac Day or whatever, these kind of traditional sort of like, you know, tentpole games. And you can always mm. think of at least one classic moment, but Good Friday is always like, Ugh. <laughs> like it's just, and I don't understand why North, how North as this tiny minnow club have managed to kind of, like what do they have over Gil McLaughlin that they get to keep this fixture? And lose badly. North's argument would be that they were the team that developed Friday night football into the powerhouse that it is. And then Friday night football became so successful that it was taken away from North Melbourne. And yeah, that North true. Melbourne... In the ni- are you talking in the 90s? Like the Wayne Carey era? Yeah, but when... Yeah, so basically when... like, Because Friday night d- didn't used to be the marquee night of football. And essentially, right. it yeah. really was North Melbourne that like no one wanted to play... And they developed it into like a thing that... And now Friday night football is as popular as... You know, the most popular, the marquee night of, night of football, really. So they had that then taken away from them. So there's been this sort of make good, I think, in you can have good Friday. Like, you can't have the rest of the... You can have the one Friday that's no good, ironically, for AFL football. You can have that Friday and none of the other Fridays. But I just always look at it like it's dumb to compare Good Friday to even Easter Monday. It's dumb to compare Good Friday to Anzac Day or, you know, Dreamtime at the G or any of these sort of games because it's never going to be like a game like that. The only thing that Good Friday needs to be is better than no game on Good Friday. Now, do I think that having a game on Good Friday is better than no game on Good Friday? Yes, I do. I'm 100% behind it. Well, I guess when the Bulldogs win. I mean, do you feel any sense of satisfaction? Do you think he corrected anything or is it just the win you needed to have? Oh, I mean, a bit of both. Like, there was a lot of really good signs. Um, but also, yeah, our, I mean, our back... they North showed that, you know, you can get a pretty good run on against our back line. You know, we're severely undermanned, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, we can be opened up pretty quickly. So it's it's kind of that thing of like all the same old good things were there and kind of all the same old problems that you think that we have are still there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the same for the Eagles. Like, I feel like after their inspirational win last week, there was only one way to go and that was down. And I, I sort of feel like Eagles have got their win until they get that full list back, you're not allowed to criticise them. I just think it's unfair. Like, it's ridiculous for them to say it's pathetic or they let themselves down or whatever. Like, it's just, we all understand what's going on. I give the Eagles a pass. Charlie says Eagles get a pass until they get their full list back. And even then, maybe give them another pass <laughs> until the end of the year. As we know, after the COVID breakout, the Eagles don't cope well with a lot of kind of mental pressure. They like their nice, cushy uh, set up their home games. They like being a powerful side. They're not really good with adversity. Will, we haven't used this phrase all year, but would you say the Eagles are downhill skiers? I mean, I believe that they're probably, you know, they're not even like downhill skiers. What I think the Eagles are, are just that, they're that sort of, um, they feel like a government experiment sometimes, the Eagles. (laughs) Like, you know, like they've identified a group of young people and taken them into captivity and sort of given them all the best in life to turn them into these, you know, this secret government killing machine Super or whatever this soldiers. scenario is, right? That's what the Eagles always feel a bit like to me. And 
I think that they only perform in perfect conditions. You know, like yeah. as long as everything is being prepared properly, they're absolutely cool. But the minute that anything goes wrong, it really gets to them. Like it really fucks with their head. They're like, oh, I don't want to live somewhere else. Footy's dumb. <laughs> yeah. I like being in WA where it's at least five years behind the rest of the country. No, we love our Western Australian listeners. Uh, when Stools and I were doing the footy fixes over summer, we had um, a lot of Western Australian listeners insisting that we talk about them more often. So I feel like we've done that quite a bit today. We've talked about the Eagles. We'll get to Freo in a bit. Yeah, I watched the Freo game. I hadn't seen Freo this year, and so I thought I should stick my head in and see how they were going. And well, let's talk Let's talk about it now. Okay. They're legit, Yeah, right? they, they're good. I mean, I don't think Essendon are great. Yeah. I think that's the truth is I don't think Essendon are great. But um, Essendon... Like, we're already, I think, not going great, and now they're missing, you know, a whole bunch of their better players. So, but, yeah, Freo, they, they looked they looked actually really good, like, really exciting. Like, you know, Brayshaw, as we've mentioned a few times already, is an absolute jet, and, like, they've got yeah. a bunch of other players well, that are starting to really believe in themselves. And they're doing it without their best player. That's the thing. Like, it's been, for so long, it's been all about Nat Fife. And the fact that they're doing this with these players who are all, like, under 25 or whatever, and they all look good. And there seems to be, like, a fairly even spread of talent across the ground. It's not like they have, like, a couple of guns in key positions and then a bunch of role players. It's, like, a really even spread. It's not dissimilar to the Bulldogs, I don't reckon, in the sense of that midfield. Basically, actually... It's a bunch of young guns, people who are under 25, and one guy who was over 35. <laughs> yeah, he blows out there. He's still playing as well. Yeah, and I think the Bombers, too, of having one of those seasons like the Saints had um, last year, which is like mm. they jumped ahead of we all, where the, everyone thought they were last year, and it's like, oh, they're going to play finals. And then you have that, you know, they haven't had Stringer for large parts of this year, and you have a slow start, and then everyone's like on your back. You're getting a lot more attention. Teams, you're not a surprise package anymore. Teams are preparing for you a lot better. Um, I can't say it upsets me <laughs> to see the, the Bombers having a slow no. start to the year. I mean, it really... I was kind of hoping that Port were going to get the chocolates against Carlton as well because oh, imagine if Carlton, Essendon and Collingwood all lost in the same round. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, look, I mean, Essendon are no good. Like, they don't <laughs> look good at all. Like, you, you, It's a very hard for you to see how they turn it around at all this year, I've got to be honest with you, at this point. Like, because... When you're sitting around going, okay, but, you know, when we get Stringer back, we'll be yeah. okay. And you're like, if, if you have to rely on Stringer, like Stringer's a great player, but if the thing that you're having to rely on is Stringer, yeah. that's a real, like, like guy at four o'clock in the morning at the casino who's run through all his money and it's just like, no, nah, my lucky mate's coming back in a minute. Everything's going to be fine once he gets here. I'm, I'm not sure it will be. He's your icing player. This is what the Saints are discovering with Brad Hill now is because the rest yeah. of the team is lifted. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, Brad Hill's awesome on the outside. He's running carry. It's like 500 metres gain. It's like, yeah, that has always been Brad Hill's skill. He was not your mm. fucking put the team on his back, carry you. He is your top-up player once you've got all your other places inside and you need some absolute class on top. It kind of baffles me. There are still some Saints fans wanting to bag Brad Hill, even though he's had this, like, amazing start to the year and he's been, like, in our best every right. week. And they're still trying he's, to find... As you said... He's icing, and now you guys have got cake for the icing to go on top of, whereas last year you had a pile of dog shit, and you were like, why does this icing not solve all our problems? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. But the way Saints fans are trying to 
retroactively criticize him now. It's like, well, he's playing well now, but what was he doing last year? It's, well, fuck, he can't change that. Like, that's like, that's done. Like, is it not okay now? And then there's always this thing of like, well, he's getting paid so much. I mean, it's all, that's what I love as well. Is it like, what would you prefer? That he was still playing badly? Because we literally can't go back in time and make him play well in those years. So would you like him to play well now? Or would you like him to continue to play badly so you can hate him? Now, one uh, Saints player who's having a great start to the year is uh, Jade Gresham. Absolutely fucking yep. scintillating form. Um, but I have a theory about why he's playing mm. so well. And it's, it's visual, so this won't work uh, for people at home uh, uh, listening. But trust me, you want to look this up. Um, uh, Podcast Mike, can you just drop that Jade Gresham photo into the message window so Will can have a look? He has some of the most perfectly manicured eyebrows on a man I have ever seen. Like... They look like uh, uh, like uh, he's he's a he's a manga character. They're so perfectly lined. All right, Mike's bringing it up now. Take a look at that. Oh, oh! <laughs> they oh. look like two sideways quotation marks, right? Really, that, really what? thick near Is the middle, real? and then tapered towards the edge. That they can't be his real eyebrows. <laughs> That's he's been like, he's been at a party and somebody else has drawn those eyebrows on. They're kind of above where his eyebrows should be, aren't they? Like it looks like war paint. They are not. No, I think this is the thing. It, it's that, but they are so like perfectly symmetrical, and the way that like they look like Nike swooshes upside down <laughs> over his eyes. Like, is that what he's angling for? It's what? like a mating, like, of tadpoles. It's like two tadpoles are trying to mate with each other on his forehead. <laughs> like, they look like leeches. They look like perfectly manicured leeches that are just like... Wow. Wow. If it turns out that that has been the secret to Jade Gresham's mm. great start to the year... Do you think more clubs will insist that players get their eyebrows waxed? I mean, not just wax though. Like he's had those waxed and died. Like that is that cannot be. Like look, looking at the difference between his eyebrows and his moustache, like they're completely different colours, and so is his hair. So yeah. that is definitely not just like manicured. That is manicured and dyed. Um, no one dyes their eyebrows. I, I've dyed my eyebrows before when I was young and dyed my hair all Have the you? time. Yeah. For sure. It's just a thing. Really? You can do it. Like, ah. I mean, it looks dumb like it does on Jay Gresham, though. How do you do it? You just... <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is he kind of looks a little bit like that, um, you know, that baby with a one eyebrow yes. that Lisa Simpson hates. Like, it does give him a kind of, like, angry expression. I mean, maybe that's part of it as well. It's like a way to intimidate, you know. That's how, what like, it feels like to me. Evolution, certain animals develop like. It feels like the, there's a natural response of like, <laughs> I see that and it's intimidating. Like, I think if you just looked up and you spotted that, you'd be like, ah, like in a pack, that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you drop the ball. <laughs> like, I think that might be part of it. It's amazing. It honestly does look like somebody's drawn those on, on top of the picture. That is, wow. Wow. <laughs> well, Speaking of, uh, of animals, there was an animal that made a, a, a big impact on the game. You knew that it was sort of done and dusted when the commentators started moving away from the football to talk about other things. So at the start of the fourth quarter, uh, Howie and, and Dermy became quite obsessed uh, with the seagull that had made its way onto the field. Random one seagull has been locked in Derm for the whole match. He has not moved. Completely unflustered there. In this... So this bird, I watched the entire game. It stood 
not like motionless. It just sort of like sauntered from one part of the wing to the other, just back and forth. Mm -hmm. Even though the play was going through the corridor back and forth, it did not seem flustered. Ironically, Will, this bird was unflappable. <laughs> the ball came near it and it did not take off at any point. And they were saying that because they had closed the roof, this bird couldn't mm. get out. And I have a theory that this bird is fucking smart. This bird is like, holy shit, I'm the only seagull in here. As soon as this game is over, there is going to be like oh. hot chips and pie crust and, and everything. I am going to make out like a bandit. I'm just going to stay here. Just act cool, man. Like, Don't attract any attention. Because if he's flying around and getting in players' faces and stuff like that, they might have to stop the game. They might have to remove him. This bird is like... Just chill, man. Just play it cool. Just pretend you're a player. Just walk around. Just do what the humans are doing. You'll well, be fine. Well, I mean, maybe though. Like, I mean, imagine what for the rest of the seagulls. So you're a bunch of seagulls. You're like, hey, they're playing the, they're playing the big game down there. You know about this. It's a feeding time. You know, it's like everyone knows the area. They 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 close the roof. Everybody's been locked outside. You know, so the rest of the seagulls are all flying around trying to fucking find food somewhere else. You're the only one left in there. Like the, you know, you're the last seagull. Not only do you spend two hours on TV, get some media time, get your profile up, and then you just have this like monster smorgy style feast at the end of the day when everybody's gone. Yeah, like that's probably one of the greatest days a seagull has ever had. <laughs> I tell you what, it looked pretty good. I'm surprised um, uh, on the Sunday footy show that uh, Kane Corns uh, didn't have a go at him because uh, Kane decided to take aim at one of the most beloved figures on Two Guys One Cup, Matt Rowe. Let's have a little listen to what Kane had to say about Rowe's game on the weekend. Turns 21, we love the way he goes about it. I'm yet to see what his weapon at AFL level is going to be, and he's going to need a big increase in his running power. So, Will, back to that old trope of the twerp, Matt Rowe doesn't have enough weapons. Now, I watched this game, and I actually was quite impressed with what Matt Rao was doing. Like, that is his job. He's an inside midfielder. Yeah, he was getting caught a lot of times. So that's because the Saints are just a good tackling team, a good high-pressure team. But I don't think he was playing particularly badly. And I think when you've got Anderson and Took Miller on the outside, maybe that is your job. Maybe you should just be getting the contested ball and dishing. I mean, Took Miller had like 32 touches. By the way, I know we've said this all year. He's a fucking gun, Duke Miller. Like he may, I thought Patrick Cripps is going to win the Brownlow. I haven't seen a lot of Suns games this year, but if he plays like that every week, he just, you can't tag him. He just doesn't stop. He gets so many possessions and doesn't waste them. So if you've got him and Anderson, isn't that okay that Matt Rowell is just crashing in and, and you know, dishing out to the, the more skilled deliveries? I would have thought ball? it's not only just okay, but it's necessary. That's, that, That's that his is job. his job. <laughs> that is his weapon. Like I've, I find it weird that Kane doesn't consider that a weapon. I think what he's, well, obviously what he said in the clip there is that he just needs to learn how to get inside and outside ball. But that's just not the way, I mean, he's a footy commentator. That's not the way it works, right? That's why you have inside and outside midfielders. Sure, if you have a guy who can do both, awesome. Like Bontempelli can go inside and outside. But that's not the way most teams structure up. That's why you specifically draft in certain players to your team. I can't believe I'm explaining this to Kane Corns. Here's what I'll say about uh, Kane Corns is... Look, he's moved from picking on a teenager to picking on a guy in his early 20s at the start of his career who's just getting in and having a crack. So, <laughs> well, is it time to bring back our favourite segment, Will Goes Whack? How about the seagull, Will? Like, if the seagull was going to get a whack from Will, what would Will say? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the feel-good story of the weekend. It's in every uh, news broadcast, a little you know, human interest story at the end. Oh, the seagull that wouldn't leave the ground. What does Will have to say about the seagull? Uh, so, well, in the style of Kane Corns, you have to have the opposite opinion of anything that's a prevailing wisdom. I would say, 
Uh, there was a disgrace in the AFL on the weekend, and it comes to an issue that I need to speak about, about the player safety. We talk so much in these COVID times about the safety of the players. There are so many concussion protocols for the safety of the players. But the biggest issue that we're facing in the game at the moment is actually animal infestation at the games. What, what happens if on grand final day a player trips on that seagull, maybe does their knee, they're out of the game, they change the entire result of the grand final. I think that we have to ban seagulls from the games. I think that we have to kill off the seagulls. I think that we, the AFL needs to bring in some sort of bird hunter. Uh, the, the eagles uh, have to have an eagle each, um, and at each game go to the game with those eagles to scare off any birds that are nearby. Uh, we've got to uh, get rid of people that should be able to go to the football and enjoy their chips <laughs> without being bothered by a seagull coming up to the masking for a chip. That's our latest segment, Will Goes Whack. Uh, let's move on to our more popular segment <laughs> now, which is the player pocket profile pocket pocket profile <laughs> pocket pocket. Uh, this week, Will, I thought we'd go back up to the Gabba and have a look at the captain of the Brisbane Lions, Dane Zorko. How do you, uh, what's your vibe on Dane Zorko? How well do you feel you know a Dane? Mm. I don't know any Danes in real life, so I figure I would not know anything about a Dane. What do you reckon? I mean, to the point where I thought we'd actually done Dane Zorko on the public profile. <laughs> we may have, let's and be honest. <laughs> we may have. This this rounds footy record, so we haven't done this version of Dane. I, if we have, I can't remember any of it. I don't necessarily know if I know what Dane Zorko is like as a person. I know what he's like as a player, but I don't know if I know what he's like as a person. Okay, let me just say, quickly scanning the answers, I would say... Uh, not a lot of surprises. Like, okay. I think if, if you can keep it fairly like bread and butter, mm. fairly vanilla, you know, there's maybe one or two left field answers. But I think, I think you, it's not, we're not quite in Jack Lukosius territory. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, all right. All right. Let, let's start. So what's his favorite non-AFL sporting team? Uh, it's an NFL team. Been very successful in the last 10 years. Uh, the... The most famous quarterback ever played for them for quite some time. Yeah, I was going to say the team that Tom yep. Brady played for. Yes. The, um, uh, the oh, New, New England Patriots. Patriots. The New England Patriots. Um, does Dane go to AFL games when he's not playing? Mm, interesting. Um, no. That's correct. And did you use the same deduction that you use for all your interstate teams? Where it's like, well, it's not an uh, AFL state. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, it was high on my priorities, yeah. but I also just had a sense that he wouldn't even if he lived in Melbourne. Good, good. Okay, this is a this is a, a this is where you resort the weight from the chaff, I reckon, this mm. question. Should the centre bounce be retained? Now, he's a midfielder, so he gets bloody mm-hmm. first-hand look at the bounce. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It should be retained? No, he doesn't yes. like it. Oh, I know. Really? I, know. I may have thrown you by saying he's very vanilla because that's yeah. that's a pretty revolutionary response for especially for a veteran. It is. Yeah, that's right. No, that I mean, I was like, he's an older player. He's a midfielder. They've always had pretty good ruckmen. Like, of course, he likes the centre bounce, but does not like the centre bounce. Okay, all does right. Does not like the centre bounce. Okay, mm. what's his non-football wish for twenty twenty two? Now, world peace. It's a fairly <laughs> like this is where I what what. <laughs> World peace. <laughs> World peace. No, but it is kind of, it's much more uh, like micro than that. He wants just, yeah, his wife's expecting, so. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, he wants to know who the father <laughs> of his child is. 
no. He wants the happy, healthy arrival of his new child. <laughs> uh, I mean, sure. That, that too. Um, okay, what was his scariest non-football moment? Now, this is interesting. Um, okay. I'll just, I'll give you, I'll make it easy for A you. A real life scenario. Someone tried to run him over. Yeah. So tell me who in his life tried to run him over. Oh, okay. Someone um, that you... His brother tried no. to run him over? Mm. His coach tried to run him over? No. <laughs> Imagine that, Chris Bacon. I mean, but in Fage's defence, he didn't know he was running him over. He was Mr. No. Mr. McGoing it out of the Brisbane Lions car park. <laughs> he thought it was a speed up. <laughs> oh, jeez, Fage, you've done it now. Oh, no. Oh, don't go first. Oh, I've broken his other leg. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, no, it was his mum. His mum ran him over. Oh, and then he okay. wrote after that, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so like some significant trauma. I don't know. I might be reading into this, but I think he's hiding his, his trauma with humour. He's saying, mum ran me over, ha, ha, ha. It's like, that's horrible. It does It does seem like a, a Joker origin story. Yeah. Like, you know, the, first, know the first sentence stars? was, what? <laughs> yeah. Chris Megan ran me over. But before that, it was my mum. <laughs> um, okay, so who rules the roost in his household? Uh, his wife. His son. Um, oh. Who is the most influential... Oh, by the way, you are off to a terrible start. This is a classic bull. Terrible start. Opening. Yeah, like you just sprayed no them all over the shop. Like, Jamara hasn't got a touch. Uh, Aaron Norton is oh. kicking him out of bounds on the full... Fumbling on the goal line. Um, let's see if you can get it back in the second quarter. Uh, who's his most okay. favourite or most influential junior coach? And this should be this is a gimme because you don't need a name. It's just a person. Ah, uh, his dad. His dad. All right, there you go. That's the easy kill you're looking for. <sighs> okay. Where did Thank he you. do uh, his Oz kick? Somewhere, and it's somewhere. I'll make it easy for you. It's somewhere on the Gold Coast. Mm. Uh, is it? Um... And it's it's not like a tradition. It's not like a traditional AFL territory, like Southport or something. It's like a famous Gold Coast spot. Surface paradise. Surface paradise. So Dane Zorka, I didn't realise is genuine, like Queenslander through and through. I'm assuming if he mm -hmm. did it there. I wonder what Oz kick I mean, is. Like that, they, they should get him to the Gold Coast. Yeah, <laughs> totally. They just need him to go down the highway, right? That's right. Um, okay, what was the common theme of his school report card? Mm. Uh, um, mm. Well, this is a, he's not been diagnosed with this condition, but this is a fairly kind of common. Oh yeah, like the, the, not very, couldn't pay attention. That's like, right. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say ADHD, but like couldn't pay attention. Yeah, well, it wasn't ADHD, it yeah. says Dane needs to pay attention yeah. more. Did he have a part-time job while still at school? Ah, interesting. Lived at Surface Paradise. Did he have a part-time job when he was at school? He's an older player, so it's a possibility. But, like, Surface Paradise, is that, like, where you have a part-time job? Oh, you could, I suppose. There's businesses around there. Uh, I'm going to say no. Well, you'd be wrong. He worked at McDonald's. Uh, you don't know Dane at all. All right. Dane is the Dane of your existence. <laughs> he is. And I don't feel like we've done him before, by the way. So that's how little I know him, that we have not done him before. Okay, who's the best storyteller at your club? Mm, okay. Now, 
Uh, I mean, if I tell you, my clue will, will probably give it away. But is it Mitch Robinson? Uh, no, mm. it is. Is it's it probably our favourite? Is it Chris Fagan? It's Chris Fagan. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, it's our favourite Brisbane Lions identity. Now, do you think that Chris Fagan is intentionally the best storyteller at the club? Or is it, do you think like he, you know, arrives late at training and he's all flustered and he tells the boys, oh, geez, I got my tie caught in the bloody car door. And then, and then it's like, ah, oh, fakes. You're all right. I, I think partly it's definitely just the adventures of his day, him recounting the various <laughs> Mr. Bean-like adventures that he's been through for the rest of the day. But I do think there's probably, if we want to go to another Simpsons character, a touch of the Grandpa Simpsons in his storytelling oh, yeah. as well, where sometimes yeah. he'll be getting into an anecdote and then suddenly he's talking about how they used to wear an onion on their belt because that was the fashion at the time. <laughs> definitely. Okay, who's the, who's the party boy? Who's the social outing organiser at their club? Um. Okay, so I'll give you his last name. We'll give it away, obviously. So I'll give you his first name. Younger or older? Uh, I think he's like, you know, mid-20s. Ryan is his first name. Ryan. Um, Ryan. Ryan. Uh, and is a is a is a is a rhyming slang or a or a, a crude um, <laughs> it's a crude name for someone who. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of um, if his first name was Moll Molly, yeah. and you said and you shortened it to Moll, then it's an unfortunate name. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> like uh, if this if this I can't I I can't go on with this because it's so bad. His, his, it's Ryan Lester. <laughs> oh so my god! Just, if he's First name was Mole. That was what you immediately went to. The only clue that you could the only clue that you could come up with for Lester was Molester. That was it. <laughs> well, you come up with a clue for Lester. There are, oh, Lester Ellis, yeah. I guess. And then <laughs> immediately, if you thought about it for two more seconds, it turns out you could have come up with one. <laughs> All right. Uh, Who's the most tech-savvy teammate at the club? This should be easy oh, for yeah. on Twitter because and Instagram, he's all over this. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah. I, and it's not Charles Gamron. No. Is it? Is it you, Big Joe Danaher? You? No, no. You have just you have mentioned him already in the in the quiz today. Oh, Mitch Robinson. Mitch Robinson. Of have course. you seen? He's, he's all over Twitch, social media. He's a, like a Twitch streamer, streamer and stuff. Twitch streamer, it? and he's really good. Like he does these kind of like diaries, video diaries, and it, he's funny. Like he's okay. a real good personality. He's a, he's a good YouTube identity, if that's even a word. Okay, which teammate should run for political officer in the future? Uh, okay, um, shares a surname with the author of I Am Legend. Mm, okay. Great clue if I knew who the author that, of yeah. I Am Legend was. So, uh, so is it De uh, Danny Seuss? Reese Seuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dr. Zeus wrote I Am Legend. Yeah. Uh, his first name is Reese. Uh, Reese Matheson. Reese Matheson. Um, rate your cooking skills from one to five. Uh, ooh, oh, okay. Dane Zorko. Like, he's got a good sense of himself, but I also think he'd be aware of his limitations. So I'm going to say three. Zero. He gives himself a bloody big donut. I really? Don't think he's got any, 
Have you got any of these right? Oh, not a lot of them, to be honest. But oh, he also <laughs> worked. He also worked at McDonald's. Like, I mean, I would have thought that, like, yeah, you, you at least have like cooking skill of like Get a one. one or something if you've like had a job at McDonald's. Well, then there's the next two questions are all food related. Mm. So, what's his best dish? And this is like, don't even overthink this. Like, this is kind of like not even a dish. This is a thing and an element of a dish. <laughs> Oh, that, okay. Pa- pasta. Pasta, yeah. <laughs> like, can you really, if someone says, what's your best dish, can you say pasta? Like, what does that even mean? Like, even Matt Rowell had enough bloody common sense to put some chorizo in there. No, Dane Zorko's just like, yeah, uh, chorizo pasta, hold the chorizo. <laughs> what's his worst cooking disaster? Um, why he was fired from McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> no, he burnt some rice once. He burnt rice. I mean, this guy, you, you wouldn't trust him in a kitchen. You wouldn't go on the beach with him on Survivor. He's got no skills. Uh, is he a golf, tennis, tennis? Is he <laughs> tennis? Is he golf, tennis? Is he a golf or tennis guy? Neither or both? Um, he is a, I think he's both. Correct. All right. Finally, you nailed it. He's a both. Has he always used, has he, oh, fuck, I fucked that up. I've given away the answer. Has he ever used Dr. Google to diagnose an injury or an illness? He always uses it. He always uses it. <laughs> he used it. it the other day when he thought he had tenneth elbow. <laughs> okay, this is an enigmatic answer. Okay. The question is, can you keep a secret? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he says... I can't tell you. No, it's... Uh, he's trying to say that he can't keep a secret, but mm-hmm. he describes himself in a negative way as, and it's a one word, I am I am blank at keeping a secret. I am uh, loose at keeping a secret. I am... That doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm loose at keeping a secret. Has anyone ever said that sentence ever? Oh, my, Mate, I don't just trust said me, I'm loose at keeping a secret. <laughs> well, I just thought... Like, as in loose lips sink ships. And yes, exactly. Correct. Right. He's okay. loose lipped. He's sinking ships. Um, he's, uh, he's hopeless. He's hopeless at keeping okay. a secret. Okay. Um, all right. His idea for a perfect day. Um, it starts off with, I just want the meal of the day that he enjoys most. Okay. Then it's a daytime activity with friends. Yep. Uh, very common for footballers these days, this, this daytime activity. And then another meal. So give me two meals and then the daytime activity. Okay. Starts the meal, daytime um, activity, ends the meal. Okay. So big breakfast. Yep. With the family. Uh, go to the beach. No. Oh, really? Nah. Oh, damn it. What do what boy, the boys like to do? What did Carmichael Hunt and the sons like to do with about 20 bags of coke? Oh, so he does rack. So uh, breakfast <laughs> with the family, then a huge <laughs> golf bag full of rack. <laughs> Hold the rack. He likes a bit of golf. <laughs> and then when he's a bit hungry, uh, it's steak for dinner. Some pasta for dinner. Straight home for dinner. Straight home Family for dinner. dinner. Family breakfast and family dinner. He bookends yeah. his golf then, day with and then family breakfast and family dinner. Eight hours of golf and rack with Carmichael. <laughs> allegedly. Not even allegedly. We're making it up. <laughs> Does that cover us legally? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. To be completely clear, not allegedly, <laughs> literally, fictionally, fictionally, irresponsibly, referingly. <laughs> Uh, what's something he's most proud of? Now, you've picked up the kind of guy he is, right? He seems like mm, a real family he's man. He's family. Correct. Bringing up well-mannered children. 
what's his biggest fear? Um, yeah, you know, if there's someone who grows up, on, you know, well, I assume grew up in surface paradise, this is probably sharks. Close. It's a water thing. It's just more, more general fear of the water. Oh, uh, drowning. He doesn't want to drown. What's the biggest compliment you've ever received? This rice isn't burnt. Well done. <laughs> he was told his hair looks good. I mean, that's the, that's sad. If that's the big, I mean, he's the captain of an AFL club, he's, potentially a best and fairest winner, probably uh, polled in the Brownlow, and the biggest compliment has ever got is your hair looks good. Potentially a best and fairest winner. I think he's won their best and fairest like five times. Like he's right. Like Dane Sorko's <laughs> like career is. Yeah, he's one of those guys that if he was playing at a Victorian club, like would be considered one of the absolute... I mean, I think he still is considered one of the absolute superstars of the competition, but I think we underrate him, like, you know, down here. Like, he's a superstar, but I have no idea about him. Well, this proves it. This yeah, proves totally. the fact that he can be this good for so long, and I've got fucking no idea about him. Um, what's an instrument that he wishes he could play? Um, uh, the guitar. Piano. Mate, this is oh. just this is a this is a terrible. Ter- you're having a real no, man in football parlance. Well, this is a, we're having a real man. You know what it is. I, I, you know what I think it's. It's like yeah. Monday morning. The, the round isn't even completed yet. We're recording at an unusual time. These I, I'm very West Coast when it comes to the pocket profile. <laughs> I need the perfect conditions replicated so I can do my best. I, this is I mean, this is an away game. The way heads full of waffle players. I just can't get to it. Uh, what series is he binge watching? Now, this is one of your favourites. A real feel-good okay. series. Uh, Ted Lasso. And pronounce that correctly because uh, Ted Lasso... Oh, fuck, there we go. Ted. They sponsored one of our podcasts last year <laughs> and the amount of notes I got from the company that was sponsoring us saying, can you please pronounce Lasso correctly? So it's Ted Lasso, right? As in to catch a cow. Ted Lasso, yeah. <laughs> to catch a cow, which is not a bad oh, that's idea la- podcast. Is that Lasso or is that Lasso? Lasso. Uh, do you catch oh, a cow with a lasso or a lasso? I don't know. He's lasso. Uh, now, I'm not sure if you remember, this is the final question, but I mm. mentioned to you last week that there is a new contender with this new crop, this new generation of footy players. The Shawshank Redemption has been replaced mm. by another film. And that is true in Dane Zorko's instance as well. The best movie of all time is... The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. It is mm. like... I, would, I reckon it's 80% of the responses I've read so far in The Dark Knight is their favourite film. Crazy, man. I mean, Crazy. here's what I will also say, though. We're like We've mocked over the years, like, AFL players for loving Shawshank, and now you, like, look at them, they all love The Dark Knight. They're both two of my favourite top ten movies of all time. <laughs> so yeah. I've got to be honest with you. Like, if I was ever hanging out with some footy players and we didn't have anything else in common, I could be like, you know what? Got a couple of movies I think we'll all enjoy. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to the mailbag before we go. Uh, thank you to everyone yes. uh, for, for sticking with uh, Two Guys, One Cup, and especially now move to listener. Uh, a lot of you have followed us over, and that's that's great. That means we get to keep doing this show on our other podcasts, which are housed at tofop.com. This is from April. Can you Have you got any more Will Goes Whack in you? Let's just do some short, abridged Will Goes Whack, just like a one-line Will Goes Whack. Yeah, okay. Some suggestions sure. for right. Will's. Goes whack yes. this week. Okay, number one, Adelaide Young Guns are something special. Adelaide's Young Guns are something special. 
Uh, doesn't matter if there's something special. They're uh, playing alongside a notorious racist. Uh, they're going to learn lazy ways, bad mustaches, uh, crow stances. Uh, they're at a club that's in a lot of trouble and they're probably going on a camp again this year. So it's all over for Adelaide. Uh, Fremantle are going from strength to strength. Uh, nobody knows who they are. They don't even have the best Brayshaw. Uh, Darcy, he'll, he'll get found out very soon and Nat Fife will come back and fuck it all up. Don't get your hopes up, Freo. <laughs> uh, James wants to know, I thought it was weird that my team uh, to have a bye this early in the season, but hopefully it gives them the boost. Can you guess which team he barracks for? Uh, I'm going to say North Melbourne. The Eagles. Close. Uh, yeah, it was a good enough. Friday. Good mm-hmm. Friday session. A lot of questions about the Seagull. Really captured the imagination mm. of some people. Uh, Adam Spencer, friend of the show, Adam Spencer, says Dimmer's request to a journo to inquire about the free kick count mm. on his behalf was a classic. Which AFL coach is most likely to blow a gasket at a presser this year and who is the most chilled and unflappable? Well, I think fucking Bevo. Mm. <laughs> like Bevo proved it. Round one. I mean... It's, it sort of feels like a million years ago. It was only five weeks ago that that whole fucking that thing went down. It was so bizarre, too, in the way it ended with Tom Morris losing his job, kind of unrelated or apparently unrelated circumstances. Who knows? Maybe some vengeful Bulldogs fans decided to, to leak some audio. But that was the most intimidating, intense presser I, since Mick Malthouse that I can remember. He, to me, seems the most scary coach. What do you reckon? Oh, you, what I loved about the Dimmer response was, because I don't know, did you see it? Like, so he's said no. to the journalist, I, the journalist asked him about the free kick discrepancy. And he says, well, I can't obviously answer that, but why don't you go and ask them that question? Why don't you go and ask them the question about <laughs> the game? And he goes, in fact, what's your name? I'm going to get your name and I'm going to follow up whether you followed up with them. <laughs> No, you're not. You're not going to follow it up. You're just going to throw him under the bus and make sure somebody follows it up on your behalf. <laughs> uh, and who's the most unflappable coach? I think Chris Fagan. I saw. I put a clip on the Two Guys One Cup Twitter last week. They had him on 360, where it was so weird because Jared is not the kind of guy to like do gotcha questions or you know like surprise his guests. But Jared had Fags on the on the um, uh, you know doing a live cross. And he's like, now, Fags, you know, the umpires have a, a bit of sense of humour. So minutes after, you know, the non-free kick against Hawkins, uh, you had Harris Andrews giving a little shove away. And you see, he gives a little look to the umpire. And I thought that was all in good fun. And, like, they cut back to Fags, who's just stony face, just staring, just didn't respond. And then cut back to Jordan in the studio. It's like, okay, bit of fun that. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> the most... I've never seen, like... Like, Jerry gets so, like, flustered by that. And also, like, Fags just to be kind of, like, mean. It's the meanest I've ever seen Fags. But well, you know, they, that's the great thing about Fags is he's got that dad thing where you don't want to disappoint him. Like, he doesn't have to say yeah. it. He, he, that's like, right. He just has to, like, give you that look and you're like, oh, no, I've let dad down. I think that he also treats the media like you treat training like a big dog. Like, you know, you know, when they like are jumping up on you or whatever, you're not meant to engage with them because that actually just rewards them in that situation. You're meant to just, yeah, Yeah. you're just meant to like turn slightly to the side and ignore them. I feel like that's what Fags (laughs) brings into press conferences. Like if he just doesn't like a question, he just turns slightly to the side and just ignores it, let it go by. I think Brett Ratton is pretty, Mm. like he doesn't seem scary. Like that's that's my question is like, you know, when the Saints are uh, last year when we were playing terribly and stuff, like is he the kind of coach to tear strips off a play? I just can't see it. He seems so cuddly and lovely. And even in the like, when he gets hard questions at press conferences, he doesn't ever really, 
He's got a bit of that phase thing about him as well. He'll just sort of let it go through to the keeper. What I'd like to see is one of the COVID coaches lose it. So, like, so far it's been a good run for the COVID coaches. Like, you know, the replacement assistants of, like, most of the games they've won, I think. And so it's... But what if, like, one of the COVID coaches has a terrible day? Like, they're coaching and, like, the team just is completely ridiculous. Do they have the permission to go into the press conference and really say shit that the regular coach couldn't say, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like that Key and Peel sketch, the angry yeah. Obama translator. Like, yeah. Obama couldn't say it because he's a statesman, but he's got a guy right. who can just come in. Yeah. So that's great. So yeah. the COVID, the assistant coaches should just come in and say exactly what the coach is thinking. Yeah, yeah. that free kick count was bullshit. Yeah. Like, if we're first of the ball, clearly they're biased in favour of the home side. It's crazy. Did you see that Blake Carousella called an umpire a cunt in the press conference on live TV? <laughs> Uh, this is from uh, Salan Decay. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen such a big discrepancy in skills from the top eight to the bottom eight? Uh, yeah, I feel like in the 80s, it was much bigger. Like uh, before the advent of professional Aussie rules football, uh, the bottom teams were, were so bad. I think this, I think that it's actually quite an even competition this year that if on an off day... Yeah, I just think okay, occasionally there's yeah. blowouts... Like, but even North Melbourne, who were terrible on Friday, were competitive other weeks. And Eagles have had a win, despite the fact that they're so undermanned. Like, I think that there were, you know, seasons where you could see teams not actually win a game. Like, you know, where you were just like, I just can't see how they will possibly win a game. Whereas both of those teams that are essentially the two worst teams in the competition this year have already won a game mm. each. So I, I don't think that's the truth. I think that I can't remember a season where there's been a bigger discrepancy between the best team in the competition and the second best team in the competition. That's to me what yeah. this season feels like. Even in the Richmond years, I never felt like Richmond felt as far oh. ahead of the rest of the competition as Melbourne feel ahead of the competition. I put the it moment. on the running sheet, but I didn't think we we're going to get to it, but we, you've arrived there anyway. So let's just have quickly touch on that. How quick have you shifted from good on Melbourne, good for Melbourne, good I'm happy for you, to someone needs to stop these guys? Like, we need someone to take them down. They are rampaging through the competition. They are a menace. We can't allow this to stand. I've actually moved to a different point, which is they can't be stopped. (laughs) Yeah, right, you've given up. Like, I need someone to come in and tell Like, I'm just like... You're the guy... Like, honestly, it's reframed... You're the guy in the first act of the Godzilla film who's like, oh, well, he he looks pretty big and scary. Let's just lay down our weapons and wait for him to stomp on us. I, for one, like, welcome our new, (laughs) like, Godzilla leaders. Like, they... they, Honestly, it is that situation. Like, I I remember watching the Bulldogs game. I was like, I'm happy that we're playing well in this game. But the overwhelming thought you have at all times is this, like, what how we're playing today wouldn't beat Melbourne. Yeah. And I think that that's, like, almost every game, you're like, all we're looking for now is a team that could possibly beat Melbourne. And I just can't see, you know, what... It, like, the only possibilities for someone beating Melbourne this season, as far as I can see, is, you know, that Melbourne have some unfortunate injuries at the wrong time of the season... Mm-hmm. Or that you just have that one day, you know, like even like Richmond had, yeah. like, you know, you have your Mason Cox plays his best ever game and bundles you out of the finals. Like, but it's got to be, it's either going to be luck or bad luck that mean that they, like, if it just is played on who is the best team on its merits, if you played the grand final 10 times, 
I don't think there's a team in the competition that if you played the grand final 10 weeks in a row that would win more than three of those games against Melbourne. Yeah, I agree. It's scary. I don't like it. I don't like it, Will. Uh, let's just whip through these some of these last ones. Okay, uh, Marlon said, I was walking out of Marvel on Saturday and saw Matt Rowell heading to his bus with his own pillow. It was as square mm. as he is. <laughs> uh, I would love, I mean, I, well, how do you think Matt Rowell like, sleeps on the bus? Do you think he has like a knitted quilt as well and like just a little a thermos full of like tea? I think the pillow is actually just hiding the Sharon. Like, yeah, his special Sharon that he needs to sleep with. So I think that he just hides it inside a pillowcase so the other boys don't mock him. Uh, someone's saying, should the AFL grand final consist of every club's CEOs? And if so, who would win? Um, that's a good question. I don't really know. Oh, about the grand that. final sprint? Yeah, just it's a, it Is make that a what corporate we're talking? affair. Yeah, club CEOs in the grand final sprint. Oh, I mean, Simon Garlic's the CEO at, like, Freo, oh, yeah, isn't he? Isn't that... Yeah. He'd be still pretty fit. You'd think he'd probably still go okay. In that doco making their mark, Brendan Gale, mm. like he gets up at 5am and runs like, you know, 10Ks before he goes to work. I think he'd be all right as well. Okay. Um, okay. Some, uh, someone wants to know, what are your top three predictions for this St. Killing Me moment? Uh, I've got one that's coming. I think mm. Port Adelaide will beat us in two weeks. It's, I, I, we've got the Giants this week and then Port Adelaide after that. It'll be one of those two sides because they're both traveling really badly and we're like flying. I feel like, but that's not the big St. Killing Me. That's a little entree to a St. Killing Me moment. Then I think there's a bigger one. As I said earlier, there's a big one coming in round 13. But you get Toby Green, like you get Toby Green back yeah. this weekend, like against you guys, don't you? So that that feels like a St. Killing yeah. Me. Like, the, you know, you guys are flying, yeah, the Giants are going no good, and then Toby Kick comes six. back and, you know, does something stupid like kick six goals, yeah. He always and he always does well against us. Um, do this is from more fluffs than you can handle. <laughs> I don't know what that which means. is one to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think the aerodynamics of mullets assist or, or impede footballers? I think it helps. I think like if you think of the classic sort of you know like Bailey Smith, Jack Sinclair, they kind of play off halfback or on the wing. And I reckon it just gives them a bit of balance. They're both kind of, they're good, speedy players. You can change directions. It's like a catamaran. You just dip the mullet and it helps you cut across the field. Bailey got 43 touches on the weekend and he's averaging like mid-30s for the season. So it doesn't seem to be slowing him down. Uh, and final question from uh, Mangoriand. Which ruck this year gives off the most, that's Mr. Gilmore's jacket vibe. You know, the, that for that guy, the big guy, Jaws from James Bond in the Happy Gilmore films. You know, the, <laughs> who's the biggest lug? Who's the biggest lurch going around? I think Darcy. I mean, he still, Darcy looks like a, like a 12-year-old in a man's body. Like he still looks like a giant baby. I think he's got lurchy vibes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Like he's, he, he, he seems from, like I like it because he does. It does feel very Fremantle mm. to have like a ruckman like that, yeah. and I think that it, you're just like, yeah, this feels right. This feels like <laughs> what I've come to expect from this franchise. All right, that's two guys, one cup this week. Uh, good luck to the yes. Cats and the Hawks who are playing today. Obviously, we didn't get to talk about them because we're recording on Monday morning. If you want to follow us, you can at two guys, one cup AFL on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we also do our tips live, Instagram live, Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. But for now, play on, not 15. Whoa. We are two guys, one cup. Listener.